Sons Podcast, episode 386. I'm your host and have always been your host. There's never been another host. Don't believe the lies. Peter, joined by my co-host, Jake. Um, well, only we co-host. Feeling the f- other 385 <laughs> episodes have been a fever dream. You've, you've been imagining a Kurt. It's actually just the name of our podcast, just episode 385. It's like my new like craft beer mm. label. I want a beer that's like, um, come go see my podcast. That's the name of the beer. And it's got to be like a triple hopped IPA. It feels like a podcast in your mouth. <laughs> Something. What that, and what that means. <laughs> it goes on, it goes on for two hours. Yeah. You're tasting that later. <laughs> you can do chores when while doing it. When you get home, when that officer pulls you over, you're still drinking it in your mouth. <laughs> and he's like, is that, I smell that. I taste that. If you're feeling fit, you drink it at two times speed <laughs> to get there, get the comprehension yeah. quicker. <laughs> I'm an active person, so I drink my beer t- twice as fast while jogging. It's good for my health. Yeah. Although this is the the blue Coke edition of the cast, Jake, check your check your in inbox. They've it was a it was a photo of blue Coke. And I really wish, I want I want there to be a blue yeah, coke. I feel like it's it's serene. It's beautiful. I agree. I agree. Blue coke, great. But Pepsi has cornered the market on blue, blue colas, and uh, mm-hmm. was an RC cola as well. It was blue as well. I do love me some RC cola. There is a dedicated shop in my town yeah. uh, that sells tiny hot dogs and RC colas, and they have a proud banner declaring them as an RC cola. <laughs> Affiliated. Yeah, that's giving me RC. That picture you sent was uh, that's giving me RC Cola vibes. Um, so maybe that's why people are like, you know what, this is, this is this is home. This is what a nice welcome home hug feels like from mom. (laughs) Because that's what RC Cola is to me. This podcast is not sponsored by RC Cola. Get it at your local superstore. All right, Jake. Here's a quick question. Um, what's the diet version of RC Cola? Um, it's not diet. Is it RC like Cola. Uh, RC Light? Is it? Is it? You're very close. It's it's called fucking Diet Right, and it has the worst color scheme that I've ever diet seen. Right. Um, R I T E Diet Right. It is steel steel gray and like indigo blue. It looks like oil fuel. It looks like stuff like you put in your tank. It probably tastes like it too. I I can't imagine an RC cola, <laughs> the already you know forgotten the the marginal forgotten cola. stepchild of the colas, um, making a diluted sugar free version of it has to be like that's just groundwater. <laughs> yeah. That burns going down. Like, yeah, but like you see the product like label, right? This looks like a drain cleaner. I was I was looking up RC Cola. What does it stand for? Um, Royal Crown. Yeah, Royal okay. Crown. Because yep. I, I was thinking, because uh, you said it was what right, um, 
diet right. Diet right. I was like, doesn't the R yeah. stand for right already? <laughs> right. Is nope. RC Cola no right cola cola? Boys, I could build the, excuse me, like the most weirdest. I, I This might be my goal in life is to build the weirdest soda fountain of all time. Like we're going to have... We're gonna have RC Cola cheer wine. Uh, we're, I'm seeing I'm seeing some of these now for the first time. Ale eight one, or Ale eight, is it's a Kentucky. Uh, wait, oh, what the fuck is this? Ale eight one, known colloquially as Ale eight, is a regional ginger and citrus flavored soft drink distributed primarily to brick and mortar retailers in Kentucky. Yeah, and while you're at it, are you a Kentucky bricklayer? Here, this soda is exactly for while you. While you're at it, you can hook that up, hook that up to your, uh, and install this at your, at your apartment. Um, LK Cooler Wall Mount ADA non-filtered, non-refrigerated light gray granite. Um, it's a it's a water yeah. fountain from like your middle school. Uh, and just. This was yeah. This was from not elementary school. Like this was the new yeah. version back in two thousand and like nine. Yeah, throw that bitch in, in your in your house and hook up a your cheer wine RC cola concoction that that everybody's gonna gonna second the guess. The bubbler. Yeah, it's no. It's gonna be RC cola, cheer wine, Moxie, and Verners. I let I'm I'm a I'm a Verner's man. They don't sell it. They don't sell it by me, but I am loyal to them. There was a chopped cheese place that sold. That was the only place you could buy it. And I was like, this is a different flavor of ginger ale. <laughs> um, this. <laughs> so, so that's what we're about. That's this what week. we're about, and where we're at. We're coming at you live from some. German Japanese town on the seacoast at a little bakery. where where it all makes sense until you look at the details and then none because of it makes sense. Because there's so much detail, you can't not look at it. <laughs> it's like, oh god, that we I I now have I I did not have opinions before watching this movie. I now have opinions <laughs> about this movie after watching it. Um, I understand why Kurt. See, Kurt's a special case. Our friend Kurt. Um, you've never heard of him. <laughs> Don't believe he? the propaganda. <laughs> um, he hates this movie uh, with passion. I think because he was like exposed to it in some sort of like black site oh, torture really? program I... run so by his family. Like a thousand times. Like he's seen really? it too much. I've seen it once. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was his sister's like favorite movie, so she would have it on all the time. I mean, I get that for being his sister's favorite movie. Um yeah. I can understand that. So having to be not choosing to watch it, but being exposed to it for, you know, and this would be I guess it would be a movie they would play like on repeat. They would just send it in a loop. Yeah, Kurt. Um, Kurt's so more he, of a Princess Mononoke. Uh, I think if, if that was his, <laughs> if that was his uh, childhood movie, I think he would like anime a little bit better. But if he fucking hated Kiki's and was forced to watch it, I could understand it getting a little bit um, grindy. 
becoming a yeah. problem. Yeah. Especially, did all right, did you watch a dub or sub? Because so, I watched a dub. Uh, so dubs. I watched it um, on Max, and I looked for dub, and there was no dub. It only it only gave oh. the Jap- Japan and uh, English subtitle. Like, I also watched it on on Max, and I found that it just didn't have Japanese version on it. Oh, maybe maybe there were two okay. different listings of. Yes, they were two different movies. Fuck. It wasn't. I know that's. It's very stupid. HBO Fuck Max, you, Max or Max. <laughs> God damn it! You, you are. See, the because minimum. it was hard watching it with subtitles because every so often my son likes to make noises and I come. I become concerned, <laughs> so I have to go deal with that and avert my attention away from the language I can understand. The, the words <laughs> so on the screen. A couple times I had to go back and. Um, and read what the fuck happened uh, to make sure Kiki wasn't wasn't giving me plot points that were uh, crucial to what was happening next. Turns out, don't really, worry. that never really happens. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about <laughs> the plot. Really anything <laughs> consequential? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, this, the Kiki's is like whose line of of uh, Studio Ghibli, where yeah, the the. The plot's, the plot's made, up, made up, and the dialogue, and doesn't, the dialogue matter. doesn't matter. And in the end, it's just a thing they threw together. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was something there, but they forgot about it. I'm because I'm kind of interested in the production story I am of too. this. Well, I, I'm like, I, man, this could be like, a, I wonder if they, they did make more. So I'm wondering if there's more to the story. Um, but it's uh, it's unique. This is unique. I mean, it's like any Studio Ghibli thing. Um, however, this is the most grounded of the Studio Ghibli uh, things that I've seen. You know, I, and I've seen Howl's Moving Castle and Princess Mononoke, um, and those are both very spiritual, kind of otherworldly. Oh, yes. Like the one, the Princess Mononoke is all like na- nature spirits and like feudal Japan, warring nations uh, find, finding like industry. Um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like spirits in the story. Like, that's a heavy part of it. Um, and then uh, Howl's Moving Castle has a lot of like weird creatures in this other spirit world, where this is just like a German town on the coast that witches happen yes. to exist in. <laughs> in this world, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I laugh only because um. This, I think this speaks to Jake's experience with the Studio Ghibli lineup. Uh, Jake, there's another movie we should watch another time. It's called Grave of the Fireflies. That one's that one's very down to earth. There's really not much. It's not much magic in that one at well, all. I think the other one, the other mostly down to earth thing would be uh, Porco Rosso, which is, uh, I think, the yes, one that interests me think... the most because isn't it just about a a a, a pig pilot in like World War One or two that is. Um, uh, just in a world of humans, and nobody cares. Yeah, it's just like it's just regular World War One, except one dude has the head yeah. of a pig. I think that's awesome. You should should have more of that, where it's just it's just the equalizer, except there's like a dragon just kind of. Yeah, in Yeah, we there. could tell you like a normal story based in reality, but we gotta have some sort of like weirdness to it. That's what makes it anime. 
You can't do this in I real want... life. You can't put a head of a pig on a man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't. It just it looks just, weird. just has different implications. <laughs> um, and you might see one of those in, in a thing called a movie, which has these things before them called trailers, which is weird because trailers means like after, but you put the trailers yes. before. Or a um, crummy, uh, or a pre- crummy previews. cheap uh, housing. Yes. Which these are not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although these are just kind of set out haphazardly, like in a yes. trailer park, just sort of. You just gotta kind of wander sure through like and pick through. Dodge the dodge the killers here in our segment called Tray Watch, where we where we check these things out, um, and we checked out movies like this first one, Argyle. Yeah, that seems to be the talk of the town. The um, the one I've seen the most about because uh, I think it's being featured on like IMDb as well. And uh, there, there was a teaser last week. Is that what it was? Or there was another, or earlier this yes, week? Yes, there was a teaser. There was a teaser. Um, it starts off the teaser. It gives, gives you a little one-two. Buckle my shoe. Uh, you think it's a secret agent like crime movie or some shit like that? And then uh, yeah, it turns out it's um, just a book that somebody is writing yeah like so yeah this is kind of it's a kind of an interesting premise you know it's kind of like a stranger than fiction kind of setup where the lady writing about she's doing a spy detective thriller but she's getting too much right so they have to like too much is like hitting really close to what's actually going on so the government needs to take her in and um like protect her or, or whatever but then it starts getting like really weird, like things exactly line up. Uh, so she meets the the real version of the fictional character that she wrote about, even though she had no idea. And also the cat. Do you know what Jake? Do you know what's up with this cat? Because yeah. it seems like really important. The cat is heavily featured in this. Uh, my guess is the cat is the one giving her these. Either or two things. Uh, one, the cat is somehow giving her these fortune-telling powers, um, this clairvoyance, if you will. Or two, mm-hmm. um, isn't there some kind of like disease you can get from like breathing in your cat's urine or something like that, or a cat or a cat scratch <laughs> fever where you hallucinate? I, and I think something in like the that, end, yeah. she's just sick. <laughs> she's imagining all of this. It was all a uh, dream. The guy trying to stab her is actually the like nurse trying to put in an IV, um, and she's hallucinating yeah. and fighting back these attempts to get her better. You didn't know it was secretly a fucking uh, oh what was it uh, cherry bomb? No. What's the one with the girl in the mental asylum that Zack Snyder did? Oh, with all the girls. Um, yeah. Oh shit. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Let me let me find it. Um, Cherry Bomb but, is like one of the songs that is played in it. Yeah. Um, movie with all the girls. Zack Snyder, crazy, crazy girl movie. Um, but the, oh yeah, Sucker Punch. Yeah. That's what it was. Now, 
it is I, maybe it's a sucker punch thing in the end but regardless the the cat itself is a really bad cgi so it's, a, it's a bad cgi cat and it's gonna be playing a major oh, role yeah. in this film because they do too much with the and cat i'm not looking forward Bef- to it you do too much for the it. cat in the backpack with a little dome on it fine cute love it um that's okay but right. then they interact with it too much you were you remove the cat you you unpack which the is cat. hilarious because one of the t- pack that pussy back in the bag literally the, one of the taglines of this is don't let the cat out of the bag and they let the movie yeah. let the cat out of the bag figuratively and literally when it came to the CGI I know I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards I so I'm tentatively like uh, looking forward well, to this a really good cat especially if it's something to watch it's gonna be on Apple uh, TV or whatever the fuck but it's got a really really good cast it's got Henry Cavill got Samuel Jackson um, uh, uh, Howard what, mm-hmm. what's her name Bryce, Bryce Dallas, Dallas. Um, written by Matthew Vaughn um, who's a pretty well known writer it's too bad they couldn't spend any money on making the central plot point, the the plot crucial item, uh, look yeah. nice. So pretty good cast. Um, this was put up two days ago. Was it? What was the teaser put yeah. out? Four days ago. Like, I'm just wondering if that lined up yeah. with the uh, strike and stuff. A lot of... Oh, the new. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Um, so moving on, we have. Uh, another larger movie to re- be released because uh, kind of the rest of them, the rest of these kind of feel smaller. Um, Tiny is movie. Wish. We have a new Disney movie yeah. called Wish um, from Disney Studios. <laughs> Not like a Pixar, whatever. This is like the new Disney princess kind of movie, new Moana, whatever. Um, and it looks yes. very mid. Um, Yes, it, it 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 looks like the most powerfully mid movie ever created Disney movie yeah, ever created. I, I'm not excited to see this. I don't know who would be excited to see this. I guess goat lovers. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it it tracks. It's a the the story is uh, the main character is an assistant to a king, um, who him mm-hmm. and his queen. Can, can perform wishes, or the king does the wishing, um, can make somebody's wish come yes. true, I guess. Um, and then it's revealed that he has some... I don't even know if it's dubious. He, um, it, they certainly... It turns out the male lead is the bad yeah. guy, because this is a Disney movie made after yes. Frozen. And this is made by the people who made Frozen, too. Um, this is by like the Moana and Frozen people. Um, mm-hmm. So he's somewhat dubious because he has a room full of people's wishes, and they're like, "Oh, so this is where you like you can grant everybody's wish, right?" He's like, "Well, actually, like... most don't get granted because you know you have to be practical and you can't really grant all these wishes. You can't and give them, can't give them the old Bruce Almighty. I can't Almighty. make a bunch of people millionaires, right?" Um, 
But I can make one mm-hmm. person a, a knight. You know, down to earth wish. And then Great. she gets mad at that. Amazing. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't. Just can't. I, she just wants to give everyone their wishes all the time. But then, but then she meets marketable plushie, and uh, insert comedic relief here. Yeah. And so also kind of copycat of the the Mario stars, right? What are those like? Well, yes, it looks Luma? like a Luma. Yeah. So she meets a Mario Luma. Um, uh, who comes down? It's like the wishing star, um, and she made a wish on it or something, and it came true. And then it, yes. it gave her goat the because she has a goat. Remember, remember she has a goat throughout all this little baby goat, which is mm-hmm. cute. Yes, another marketable plushie, um, and it can speak. Yep. And the twist of the entire movie is it has a low voice, and everybody's and this is all in the trailer. We've already seen and the movie in the trailer. Yeah. Who's? <laughs> is it Alan? No, it's not. Who's? Who plays the? Is it Chris, not Chris Pine? Who plays the? Who plays the goat? Who is the goaded actor LeBron. in this movie? That would be funny <laughs> if they did that. Secret Lion to Space Jam Three. Goat wish. Uh, evil Chris Pine. Oh, the, I think the king is uh, Chris Pine. Okay, so that must mean that the goat is Alan, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't really. Can't wait for her Lorcana card. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this gonna be Lor? Is this gonna be Lorcana legal? Is this standard legal in yeah. Lorcana? <laughs> Even though it's a movie. I'm gonna put it in my. I'm gonna put it in my uh, Rafiki uh, loop. Sack no, loop you deck. can't play that card yet. Spoilers! I haven't seen the movie. yet. <laughs> There's a goat. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, this movie just looks like just because it's also the Disney 100th anniversary, and I guess the story was this was a was this was old Disney story that they wanted to do, but they never got around to doing it. But it's been here for but it's 100 years of Disney, Disney and Disney, Mickey Mouse, 100 years. Um, so they got they made this story, and it's it's just they've made it as the distillation. Of just every, they just made every Disney movie. It's the every Disney movie, dude. Where the magic is just, just magic. Lorcana's already on its uh, second set. Jesus Christ! Second set. So wow. the they first chapter came out, um, sold like fucking hotcakes, and the mouse was mm-hmm. like, if "You don't release your second set, I'm going to kill your family." We're putting out. They're putting out beta, baby. Um, because Lorcan, I just wanted to check. Um, Disney fucking killing it on the secondary market. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, what's the what's the MSRP for a Lorcana pack, and what's the actual what's the scalper um, price? Pack wise, um, do they have MSRP? So I have a. Um, so these are Disney Lorcana first chapter mm-hmm. sleeved booster pack art bundle. Okay, so it's it's $50. six it's six bucks for a pack. Yeah. Okay. Technically. Uh there's a starter deck for thirty five dollars on TCG player. You um, bet you best believe no one can no one's gonna be buying that for that price. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's coming. Market back price down. has gone up. Yeah. So I was looking at the individual cards to see if they were still pretty fucking high, and it seems like they've kind of st- Stabilized, if you can say that. Um, Elsa is still eight hundred and fifty dollars 
um, for the alternate mm. art. Uh, Mickey Mouse alternate art is a two sixty five, and then Belle is two seventy five. I these these were I think really expensive, but uh, wow, there's a lot of cards that are over a hundred dollars actually. Yeah, cause cause di- like Disney heads can they just have that money to spend? Yeah, these are people who will take yearly trips to Disney well, World, well, con- which is like I feel like the company that made these were like definitely you know taking a lot of inspo from a Captain Ahab, and they were whale hunting like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just I mean the, the alternate art in the first set is wild. <laughs> you know, can you imagine if like Magic the Gathering this like. Oh, I want people to enjoy my game. It just came out with, well, is it the alternate art Black Lotus, though? Yeah, Richie Garf dropping secret hollow ghost rares in Alpha. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they're kind of going ham with that uh, for their Alpha set. So it's uh, they're, they're kind of in a predicament, or will be in a predicament, because they can't keep on doing this. They have to do new shit all the time and magic's there now where they're like well is it the alternate art to the alternate art that's the secret hollow ghost rare of the other colored mana crypt you know so is it even really worth Mm. it (laughs) what am i even doing at this point um anyways we're on tray watch not card watch um which is a movie that is gonna suck um (laughs) set a movie that is also gonna suck because I don't know how to feel about it, is May-December. All of the taglines are like, this is the best movie since Citizen Kane. Five out of five stars. Um, It's going to fucking blow your your little nuts off. And it's a movie that's going to make you feel weird. Uh, So you don't really know what it's about until like halfway through the trailer. Then you're like, oh, this is creepy. Um... A, they are, yeah, I. Did you see this one? I did not see this because I thought we talked about it already. But um, the fact that I can't remember what it's about means we probably okay. should talk about it. So May December, um, a actress is make is a cast in a movie about a real person in her world or whatever. Um, and okay, like a yep, biopic. She's she. It's a it's about a biopic. Um, so she goes to meet this lady to study her. And do some, you know, you know, investigate yeah, character, character research. So, so she's doing this stuff, and she's learning about her life. And throughout the trailer, I mean, she knows obviously what what this is about. But throughout the trailer, you realize um, she spent uh, some jail time because she met her current boyfriend when she was her teacher, and he was oh. in like six or maybe higher i don't i don't know like it right it's about so, it's about uh, a teacher falling in love with a with an underage student getting pregnant because there's a tabloid article that pops up that says baby behind bars so the <laughs> underage kid knocks up the teacher she goes to jail for it um she gets out of jail continues a relationship with a now adult probably Okay, so this is okay. So this is a this is a not a love square, but a drama square between the uh, a pedophile, her victim, their bastard child, and the researcher. Yes, or an, and an actress who's walking yeah. into all of this. They 
the there's no child in this, so you don't really know what happened to that. Maybe she lost it. Okay. Maybe something. Maybe they're estranged or were taken away from them. Maybe that's the there's maybe a there's twist, a twist in there. to that. Um, because they do, they, there's like a mention of some twist in this where possibly the actress is having an affair with the with the with the guy. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. It. it like, Everybody's shouting about this. Is going to turn into like an Oedipus twist? It's like, Maybe. You're, you're going to be playing your own estranged mother. <gasps> I hope it's not that. I think that would be a little stupid. Yeah. The, uh, the biggest tagline comes. What do you call it? When they're not taglines, they're like. When they're clips from uh, like quotes from articles. Sound. Oh, pull, pull quotes. quotes. Yeah. So um, the, the best one was from the New York magazine um it says a mm. booby trap of a movie it makes you feel one thing yes. then makes you wonder if you should be feeling something entirely different and that is one wow. of the more accurate pull quotes i've seen in a trailer because this is gonna go mm. back and forth i'm sure between like it made me feel one way and then it made me feel another entirely oh, yeah, different I'm sympathetic way towards this love story but then again if you think about it, she's fucking a kid. Yeah. And this is and some, that was a the, verb. This is not a sentence yeah. and answer. She was physically fucking a kid. Yeah, the commas are very important on that yeah. one. Yeah, this is like a fucking um uh Marcone Macron situation, right? You know that story. Did he did he fuck a um, kid? Too? <laughs> He's married to his his, his much older teacher <laughs> oh, God. that he fucked while he was oh, in high God. school. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. Um, I guess it's okay because they're French, right? <laughs> it's, it's the most it's the most Frenchest thing I've ever fucking seen. Um, she is seventy years. Uh, yeah, so she was forty, and he fe- they fell in love when he was fifteen. And she divorced her husband, who with whom she had three kids, to marry oh, yeah, him. Twenty-five year year difference. Oh, oh. <laughs> Former teacher. So, so this is like I just immediately this came into my head as soon as I saw the trailer for May December. I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's one of these. It's a biopic. <laughs> they just couldn't, they just <laughs> legally couldn't call it that. Um, wow, okay. Good for them, you know? Love Great. You know, your victim of, your victim of SA can still grow up to be the president of a, of a world power. I know some people will take contention with that, but by the, by the strict definition, you know, he, of the he laws, thought... even leaving out the controversy, that is just he was by the law a minor, and she was by the law very much not. Yeah, he probably thought it was a victimless crime, but the real victims are people of France. So, <laughs> well, you know they'll be protesting oh, yeah. about it. Um, so that was May December. Um, and then what, I think there's one more. Well, we got a yes. teaser. Real quick, I don't really know how about how to talk about this. To be quite honest, I got a teaser for the Toxic Avenger. Oh yes, what the? Oh, I, for, I totally fucking forgot that. That was that was the big one. There's so we have two more. 
Let's talk about Toxic Avenger. Yeah, so there's, um, there's it's only uh, a minute and twenty six seconds long, which is a long. Seems like a long teaser, but there's really not much content in this. It's like they're just talking about mm-hmm. him, about the Toxic Avenger, right? It's pr- somewhat and swearing. Um, I I really kind of like so this movie. There's two parts to this teaser, right? Like you said, one is the news footage, to, in one probably montage talking yeah. about it and then there's an actual scene with him in it and the tv footage looks better because it looks like a tim and eric sketch yeah. and if this was like toxic avenger in the style of tim and eric awesome show great job um i would be much more be invested amazing. like as it is it's fine it's probably gonna be great but there's the in person the the back half of this trailer um it has a lot of bad digital gore and like that that low budget trying to be high budget camera style and uh lighting set design so the news yeah the news segment part of that looks a lot so i've been hearing every uh bits and pieces about like who the cast is going to be for this um so we got peter dinklage jacob tremblay taylor page julia davis jake johnny uh cohen other names are Elijah, Elijah Wood, Wood, Kevin Bacon, and Kevin Bacon. So, um, decent cast, really interesting cast. Um, is Peter Dinklage the Toxic Avenger? That would be amazing. Is he playing? The, yeah, he could be playing the character of Winston Goose. Because in the when they show his silhouette. In the when he's when he's breaking down like the, the hostage situation or something with the guys with the big guns, because um, lunchtime terror, nasty lads, nail nickname. This is very like, um, uh, like I, what would it be? Because uh, it's it's not like it's a little parody. It's it's, it's goofy, goofy parody yeah. almost. Uh, yeah, not sat, not quite a satire, but like yeah, parody horror. Parody it's t- very tongue in cheek. Cause like yeah, I mean he he hits the guy's like jaw off, but in the scene where you see the silhouette, the guy looks small. So let me let me see if it's listed on uh, IMDb. Yeah, it probably is. Oh, that's the old Toxic Avenger, the granddaddy. Uh, you said the Winston was the name. Yeah, Winston. Yeah, Goons. Peter Dinklage is uh, Toxic Avenger. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh yeah, because there was the Elijah Wood um, like picture that was released where he looks like the penguin. <laughs> no, I did not see that. You gotta find that for me. As I look at, as I look at these Here, things. Um, um, I pulled up the IMDb page. It's in the photos. So scroll through the photos. The I love. See, I love everything about this movie except for the actual like, the visuals of it, um, and that's only one part. Like, um, the names of all these characters are fucking fantastic. We've got Bob and Fritz and Monster Garbinger. Uh, we've got and we've got Bud Berserk. Guthrie Stockins, Thad Barkabus, 
CJ Dunes. This it's like when they read off the, it's like that uh, Japanese baseball game for, on the NES or yeah. on the SNES that had those fake American names on it. A horrible toxic accident transforms downtrodden janitor Winston Goose into a new evolution of hero, the Toxic Avenger. Was this a comic? Was this a base off, like a? I think it was just a bad B movie, okay. uh, from the eighties. I mean, everybody hears Avenger and is like Marvel. It looks like they're just doing a, a total redo yeah. of it. All right, cool. I'm done with it. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Classic cult movie. Um, and then finally, um, just quick, fingernails. Yeah, on a chalkboard. Nailing your fingers. I have paid attention yeah. to this, um, but I, the gist I got out of it was you can find your soulmate or something like that. Yes. So um, the premise is they've come out with a tech that lets you uh, num- you get your love number, your percent match, right? So they she's found main character has found her um, her true love, or so she thinks, um, but she's not sure. So she wants to work at the company, and you know work in it to kind of go behind the scenes and figure out how they're doing it, and if she can you know try and reassure herself that like yes yeah, she made the right choice, and it's all the the drama that would come along with that. And then I think there's um uh, it's, a love triangle at some point or something. She's asked if yes. she can be in love with two people at the same time, and they said no, that's impossible. It doesn't. That's not how this tech works or something like that. So. Yeah. Uh, it's um I don't know. Luke Wilson's playing. This is I don't know. This is a weird. It's a looks like to be a weird kind of series. Very. It's perfect for Apple TV. I'll put it that way. Is a perfect fit for Apple TV. Good Hell for yeah. them. Um, that's really all, all I can say about it. I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be. It'll be carried by the performances of these actors who I've. I don't think I've. Well, I've probably the heard com- of them. The before, comments are funny but... because it's um it's a, the at the end they go through the cast and it's um, Academy Award nominee Jesse Buckley. Academy yeah. Award winner Riz White, Golden Globe winner Jeremy Allen White, and Luke Wilson. <laughs> he's here he's too. Here too. He's, he's involved. That's funny. Yeah, so it'll be uh, it'll be okay. I'm sure yeah. it'll go into the catalog. You'll find someone who enjoys it. For sharks. And that's uh that's tray watch. I think that's, that's that wraps it up. That's we we watch all the trays. Yep. We trade all the watches. Let's move My into nose our is no, next. No closer to being clear. Move into our next segment, which is um, where we run down the, see how these movies that we've uh, reviewed and see how well they're doing in the box we, office. We see how they run. See how they run. I like the way you run, boy. Let me take a sip of my coffee and we'll start off with number one. Coming in, numbers <sighs> off of box office mojo. If you have a problem with the numbers, take it up with them. Don't take it up with us. Number one, we have The <laughs> Nun 2. Having none of that. <laughs> Grossing 
$8,550,000 this week, bringing its grand, and I do mean grand total, of $215 million worldwide. Yeah. Which... This is the third week this has been in first place. That is... Uh, if we weren't in it before, and I'll talk about it, we'll talk a little bit about the whole sit, the whole sag oh. after a writer's situation in the in fall, you know, after yes, this yeah, during yeah, video absolutely. game news. Um, we are in it now, boys. <laughs> we are in the shit when when the Nun Two is top in the yeah. box office three weeks straight. Yeah, it's kind of funny. When Expendables Four can't even. Like when generic super like action movie can't crack that, mm-hmm. we are in trouble. Yeah, that's rough. Um, I did hear I heard I heard somebody talking about this, whereas the Expendables did not perform well, and the box office just total was very low, if not lowest this year. Um, coming to number two, we have Expendables just creeping above eight million dollars. <laughs> Expend four bulls. Yeah, yeah. Expend four bulls. Um, Grand total of a whopping sixteen point eight million. I can't believe that that star-studded cast couldn't pull in that kind of yeah, money. That is not good. And I... and the nun, by the way, the nun <coughs> is down forty percent. I forgot to do that. Down forty <laughs> yeah. percent and out of two hundred theaters, <laughs> and the Expendables still could not catch it. But it seemed like the Expendables opened in less theaters still, so it's. I don't know if it's the Nun Two is still holding on to like a lot of like single theaters or something. I'm not sure. Um, a Haunting in Venice comes in at number three with six point three million, bringing the grand total up to seventy three point nine million. Um, but wait, Jake, you've you've gone too far. You've run away. We have to keep this. We have to take the Expendables and throw them in to our spotlight. Oh shit! Fuck, I forgot. That thing I'm we do. Running this thing. Um, yeah, fuck what I said about Haunting of Venice. We got to talk about <laughs> Expendables more. In the sp- the sport light, I was hoping we would. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, so we to skip you it. tried to sneak one pie me. Skip it. I want to read these reviews. Uh, okay. Yep. Fake fake reviewer reviewers real yes. read real movie re- reviewer reviews. All right. That's this part of it. Yeah, these real reviewers, the coming out of the woodwork for the Suspendables movie. Uh, I don't know if we got everybody who saw the movie reviewed it because they've <laughs> got a lot of reviews, um, and not yeah. a lot of people saw it. So um, we got we got a good amount. We got a good good stock, good breed of reviewers that came Let's... out to show. Uh, I'll start off um, with a t- Rocket. ten out of ten. You know, it's a classic. They said the title it's is not a classic. They don't make them like this anymore. I love it. By M. <laughs> Relaxrow. They, they literally made four yeah, of these. They don't make these anymore, though. There is a plot behind the plot. Oh. oh. Actors of expendable movies were, for one or another reason, distanced from the screen for years at a time. Which was not based on their talent. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Oh, this is. The, oh, it's talking about the story of the production. Uh, maybe. I, see. Uh, I don't even know if they know where they're going with this. This is a cry out for all the replaced talent that they were unique, that they were not, in fact, expendable. They are people, just like the viewers, and they appreciate movies and the direction they had in the past. 
where people were not burdened with politics and correctness, but sheer fun and emotion they can bring on the screen. I love each and every <laughs> actor in the movie. They made my childhood so much better, and my memories full of life. You are not expendable. You, as well as many other actors, gave their life... <laughs> <laughs> just like soldiers <laughs> like this man's trying to talk Sly Stallone down from the fucking ledge over here you are not expendable you as many other actors gave their life for the art and I for one appreciate it more and more I go back to the good old movies like Expendables 3 I, I added that <laughs> they all st- Star in as they they all starred or stared in as they hold the essence the essence of what movies are all about. This reminder is a heartwarming welcome. Thirty one out of seventy six found that helpful. That didn't talk about the movie at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) That was just These old actors this time. That was just Jordan Peterson. Where did all the men go? How did where would we be without men? Roads would be, would be. You're not expendable. You're not. You matter to me. Men, men are not ex. Not men are not expendable. Men are not okay. And you can, you cannot tell me to call you a they them. That is expendable. My pro. You know what's not expendable? My pronouns. My pronouns. Or Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) (laughs) Sylvester slash Stallone. (laughs) Oh, that's too good. Can your can your crappy, stupid one out of tens fucking compete? No. (laughs) Now I'm regretting I didn't read that as completely Jordan Peterson. (laughs) Not. Oh, the time will come again. Uh, we'll, put, we'll put it in the in the quiver. Quick draw whenever we need it. All right. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's go. Um, we got one out of ten. I walked out halfway through this absolute mess of an action flick. Dot dot dot. Nicholas Roop says this movie is so tedious and stupid. I couldn't take any more. I end up walking out. The action is bad. The acting is bad. The CGI is atrocious. The direction is limp. The story is scattershot and lacking of any sense. This has got to be Sylvester Stallone's worst film so far. Even the unrelenting violence wasn't enough to keep me interested. Yes, there is plenty of violence. Blood sprays and some gore thrown in all over the film. Does any of it make an impact, though? No, not one bit. Could care less that they just decapitated a guy with a light post. Or that the bad guy keeps stabbing everyone with pointy sticks. <laughs> Probably because it's all stuff I have seen before and much better flicks than this. Also, Megan Fox is an abysmal actress. Anytime she is on the screen, I was hoping she was the next one to die. I didn't finish the film, nor will I, but I genuinely hope she bites the dust by the end. <laughs> I think he just means Megan Fox. <laughs> Not saying anyone else was any better. The only actors here who seemed to care they were in this film were Jason Statham and Iko Uweis. Worst of all, 
is Iko Uwais is an excellent Indonesian actor who probably doesn't know English very well, therefore uh, would have no idea that the lines he's being force-fed are some of the worst, corniest lines written for a villain in a long time. That's a little racist. (laughs) Overall, an abysmal attempt at revitalizing the franchise that should have been buried after the first one. This is all you got, Sly? Come on. Zero CGI explosions out of five. 12 out of 14 found that awful. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, all right. I got to I got to work. Now I got to work because we had two bangers in a row. Um, From Giulio D'Amicone, we've got our five out of 10 disappointment. The, the films, I can't do a Trump impression, but it really calls for it, you know? Mm. So I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll improvise. The film starts well. The scene in which Megan Fox, beautiful, gives a big shriek to the two leads, Stallone and, and Statham, is nice and works as an introductory scene. But when the action starts, Stallone, who probably, for reasons of age, cannot participate in action scenes anymore, devises a scheme to defile himself. A fake death in order to reappear only at the end thus the film consists mostly of a series of gunfights between Statham others and the many bad guys destined to be exterminated too much violence moreover Andy Garcia sets himself up from the start as the usual sneering villain destined for a bad end yeah, 4 out of 8 no. No. But much better than that. We can just throw that out, get that out of the way, because we got this beautiful one from oh, I got I gotta gear up for this one. I love this guy. From Do Not Come to the Cinema Depressed. <laughs> we have Expend Four Bulls ten out of ten. Expendables at all emojis omitted, but Imagine about 30 or 40 emojis scattered oh, in, across this it. entire oh, yeah. thing. Oh, Bro, Expendables 4 is the number two greatest comedy of 2023, just under Meg 2, which is the number one greatest comedy of 2023. Just got out of Dolby Cinema screening of Expendables 4. The bike ramp action scene by Jason Statham was such a watch. The hand speed by Ika was insane. What a time to be alive. What this film contains. One, the action scenes range from decent to good. And also, a few great pieces of action and fight choreography. Also, there were some laughably bad edits during some of the action. That's it. Review over. That's all you need to know. The action ranges anywhere from laughably bad to decent to good to great. Okay, more. Two, some of the dialogue and line delivery is some of the worst I've ever heard. (laughs) The plot line seemed decent enough for this particular type of film. Until it wasn't. When the plot reveals at the end. Four, the characters were about as deep as a puddle. Although, Megan Fox and Lash were very easy on the eye to look at. So that was a bonus. Jason Statham was pretty good. 
He, Tony Jaa, and Eco had great fight scenes. Sylvester Stallone was fire. Five. Some of the visual effects range anywhere from shockingly bad to decent to great. Both scenes look great. At times. Overall, that being said, I was entertained throughout the whole thing. From the shockingly bad edits, horrendous dialogue and line delivery, bad to decent to great action, and fight choreography, to social influence media influencer party scene. It was just a bunch of entertainment and international intentional slash unintentional laughs. Four out of eight found that helpful. I don't like he doesn't sound like he liked the movie. <laughs> like, he thought the movie was bad. I think he just wanted it to be on, like, the 10 out of 10 just to get his review out there. <sighs> this guy, this guy's on the list. I'm putting him on the list. On the list. Um, so now we got a uh, new worst movie of the year, 1 out of 10, by nscoby 93 This is rated in, uh, in, in, you know, most prolific reviewers. So this is a more prolific of the one out of ten reviewers. I don't know what that means, but he's prolific. He's a hater. He's a professional hater. Um, just coming off of watching the Expendables trilogy, and I knew that I was in store for with for store. I I can't read this fuck thing. I knew what I was in <laughs> store for with a fourth installment. But even wow, after lowered my, even after having lowered my expectations, nothing could have prepared me for this atrocity. I have seen a lot of bad movies in my day, and I've played a lot of bad video games. But this may very well be the first time in my life where this felt like both. This movie is so bad that I could only describe it as what it is to experience a piss poor made video game, because that's what this movie, that that's what this movie is, piss poor. It's unfinished, it's unpolished, it's bad, it's boring, and it's lazy. I literally <laughs> felt like I was alpha or beta testing a movie release. How can a movie look so disgusting? The CGI looks like it was slapped together by a 12-year-old. The fight choreography looked as though it was made by said 12-year-old. The action felt <laughs> felt and looked like I was watching a bunch of kids running around playing make-believe with fake guns. The guns, they looked and sounded like crap. The writing was boring and cringe. The story is even more so. It felt like no one cared for, cared or put in any effort with this movie. The film had a $100 million budget. $100 million. And this trash was the best they could put out. Whatever the review... Whatever. <laughs> whatever. This review is over. <laughs> um, I'm done wasting my time on this movie. So if you're desperate enough you can, can turn your brain off, then maybe... Uh, maybe you can find some enjoyment here. But seriously, nobody should watch this trash. It does not deserve to be supported. IMDb, 1 out of 10. Letterboxd, 1 out of 5. Watched in theaters. 10 out of 16 oh, found this helpful. I always, I always happy when I hear the word letterboxed. Yeah. It comes back to me in waves. I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably check out the letterbox from these movies just to hear what shit they're saying. Um, but instead of that, Jake can probably look up some of that while yeah. I'm finishing off here with... Uh, Namob four three six seven threes four out of ten review, and this guy is angry. He's just angry at you, like the audience. <laughs> what did you expect? High art, 
this sucks, and you knew it would, but it's also okay-ish fun. Did you see any of the previous movies? Then you have seen this one, too. No need to rewatch what you already know. With that said, this is not lousy horrible. I can never hate a movie which has both Dolph Lundgren and Megan Fox in it. And you could do worse today, which is sad. Uh, so this is kind of cool, kind of fun, with predictable twists and with larger-than-life characters. This is an homage to 1980s action movies, as all these nonsensical movies are, and as such, not completely trash. We get one-liners, some nice action, a few okay-ish fights, you know the deal. And if you don't, you should not see this. Is it horrible? No. But paying a ticket to see this? Man, you need to consume copious amounts of alcohol to make that financial decision make sense. But neither is this so bad that you would ga gauge your eyes out. Uh, I even felt entertained for most of the movie. A generous 4 out of 10, but at least two of those points are for Dolph and Megan. They deserve it. This movie, not so much. Z zero out of one. What does Letterboxd have to say about this movie? Um, somebody went through the next uh, sequel titles, uh, and they are as dumb as you expect. Uh, Expendables with a five at the end. Expendables with yep. a six before the LES. Expend uh, a, expend a sevenless, uh, instead of yeah. L, and then eight Expendables instead of the E. Expendables. Eight expendables. Yeah. Um. Goofy ah uh, movie. <laughs> That's a different yeah. language. I love this one by David where he just he does a whole ass review, but it's all uh, every A in it in that first paragraph was oh replaced with God, a four. For an utterly brain dead and art artistly crafted movie that feels feature length. <laughs> that was dumb. Uh not not much. Um yeah, that's a shame. Oh, well. I don't care. Do you? Uh, not much. No. Let's keep running these All down. All right, so... Um, Back to this number not, three, Haunting yeah. in Venice. I think that's what, what it's was called. This one? Yeah. Uh, I think they made, like, some money. Anyways. Number three, down for number two, Haunting in Venice. 6.3 million, down 55%, making it a total of 73 million. Uh, yay for Haunting in Venice. The Equalizer 3, dropping down to number 4 from 3. 4.75 million. We were so, down a respectable so nice. 34%. Uh, and out of 200 more mm -hmm. theaters. Bring that total up to 150.5 million. Uh, not, not bad. I mean, can't imagine yep. that that um, is it has a super high budget. Uh, we know it. We love it. Barbie, you can find it on Pirate Bay. Didn't hear from me. Um, because it's now out for streaming on Prime Video uh, for 20 bucks if you want to rent it. Hey, oh, um, yep. $1.4 billion. <laughs> Fuck. Still, still in the middle of the pack after 10 weeks, no end in sight, uh, especially if we're getting into some, some bear seasons yeah. here. Um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, 3, point, uh, 3 million right around the dot. Uh, making a total of $32.9 million worldwide. Not too bad if it's got a little cheap budget, which it probably does. 
Uh, it lives inside mm-hmm. new new release. Uh, 3.5 million domestic and 3.9 worldwide. So probably little. not released too much worldwide. Yeah, a, a little ooh for Neon, but maybe they made this for a penny and a pack yeah. of cigarettes. Uh, Dumb Money. Uh, the is This is the... Wide release. This is the wide yep. release of it now. Because um, I was going to say, it was at 19 last week. It's up to... Number eight, three point eight million domestic. Uh, again, probably only in the Americas. Uh, Four point five yeah. worldwide. I mean, it's an American centric movie, so it. I don't think a lot of people would really care too much. Um, Blue Beetle hanging on Abroad, at number yeah. nine, down from six, one point eight million, uh, bringing a world total of one twenty six million. Not great. Slipping away to see from Blue Beetle. Uh, but what do you expect? And then rounding out yep. the top ten, down from nine, you have Oppie. Oppie uh, got one point six million, still raking in some of that cashola it's... at nine hundred twenty-eight million dollars worldwide. This is probably going to be the last week we'll see it in the top ten. It made a had a great run. Uh, it's just had a shorter half life yep. than Barbie. Uh, one of the one of the interesting things I was watching um, a PewDiePie video. Because um, he is um, an interesting creature who also just had a baby. So now I'm watching him for dad <laughs> content. Um, he uh, had mentioned briefly they were going to see the... They were trying to do the Barbenheimer. Because it's funny, they, right. they do like vlogs. But it's like a... It's like two or three weeks at a time put into one video. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it was like a month after Barbenheimer came out. And he released his video about going to see the Barbie movie. And he said he wanted to go see Oppenheimer, but they're not showing it in Japan where he lives, which mm. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also rough <laughs> that people there can't see it if they are interested in a in an Oppenheimer movie. Yeah, especially because like it, it's not like they glorify it in any, no, any sort of way. But I think this would be... What, is Barbie, what does Japanese Barbie sound like? I'm not sure. Uh, he had to go to a special showing that was English, I think, too. Um, but yeah, oh, okay. it was. Uh, it is interesting because it's like they do not glorify it, but um, I wonder if it'd still be something that'd be tough to watch with Japan, the Japanese people, um, or if they could get around that and be like, "Yeah, this is," um, you know, because now we're allied with them, right? So we're on good terms, <laughs> yes. are we? It's all. It's. We, we, you don't worry us about that. We won't worry about you about Unit 731. Yeah. True. It's all yeah. water under. Yeah, all water It's all human bridge. entrails under the bridge. That's true. That's true. Yeah. They could be like, <laughs> they'd be like, you bombed us. It's like, yeah, well, you did some pretty awful shit. Okay. And we're not fucking bombing you still for that stuff. Little thing we like to call the Nanking surprise, uh-huh. except we didn't use the word surprise. <laughs> uh, dude, I remember the BLM surprises. <laughs> wait, is uh, wait, uh Nan- oh no, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> why was I thinking That's riot? Why-, why was I thinking? I was thinking wrong riot. R word, Jake. <laughs> wrong R word. <laughs> it took me uh, a second. Yes. I'm like, wait. Nanking, I don't remember any Nanking riot. <laughs> I didn't remember when BLM did, did those horrible I don't things. When... 
What did BLM <laughs> riot? What did BLM surprise somebody? Jeez. Oh. Yikes. No wonder people don't like. Jesus Christ. It's amazing. I think I think there's no better way to uh, to cap that off and jump right into video game news. Oh wait, hold on. Uh Oh, after oh, video, after oh, video game news, yeah, we'll talk about the okay strike. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the first story this week. Is we'll put it all together. Um, um, if you want to talk about it, about the the WGA or the SAG after extension into, um, yeah. Into this. If one? you don't yeah. know, I can I can do um, it. I can yeah. take uh, it. So I can rock it. Uh, the WGA strike has officially ended as of what was it? Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they reached a deal. There were rumors last week um, that the strike was coming to an end. They reached a deal, but it didn't get signed officially until like Tuesday. And then Wednesday night, they released details on it and said, hey, the strike is coming to an end. It's going to be a couple weeks until people get back into the office. Um, but I think mm-hmm. like officially... Uh, writers can start going back to work like as soon as possible, uh, but they're putting it out to a vote, and it's pretty positively going to be passed. Um, I, I the WGA won hand over fucking fist with this win. Yep. Um, uh, running through the bullet points um, that I remember off the top of my head: uh, minimum wage increase. Well, they got what they wanted. It was mm-hmm. like four to five percent, which wasn't the biggest deal and not the biggest increase, but they got four and a half, five percent. Um, they got minimum um, staffing requirements, which was a huge thing because a lot yep. of the um, showrunners and producers were trying to limit how many writers they could have on staff, and sometimes eliminating the writers room in general. If a show gets picked, it has to have a writers room. No way around it. That was another win for them. Mm-hmm. Um. Also with pay is uh, residual payments. So now Netflix and Max and everybody have to release viewing numbers to a confidential third party uh, who will relay that information to WGA and they will get paid a residual amount for shows that do very good. And there's charts and there's numbers that accounting has to deal with to give you a specific amount. Uh, But I do believe Mm -hmm. it's a good number that, that is working out. It's not like they're getting like pennies still. For residual right. payments, I think before it didn't matter if your show got um, a million views or ten views, as long as it hit Netflix and people watched it or something like that, you got paid like a handful of, you know, bread to yeah. to to you know, get by. Schmeckles. Yeah, you got paid uh, almost nothing. That was not your primary source of income. Whereas before in the past. Uh, residual payments were a good chunk of the people's salary. So when all these writers started moving to streaming platforms because that's where the job was, um, they got shafted. They got they got like minimum wage. They probably got a massive pay cut. Um, and and now this residual payment, the because you expect everybody who's making Stranger Things, even the fucking mm-hmm. catering, you expect them right. to be getting paid well because. They should be making stranger money. Look how much merch, how many seasons, uh, the amount of like big name actors that are in that, and the production value mm-hmm. that has gone into Stranger Things and how popular it is. Those have to be hitting so many million views. Um, 
and everybody should be getting paid a good amount and i think now the writers are getting a good chunk of that as well yes um the other big concession i believe was the ai resolution where um you have to i believe they can't make ai you can't use a writer's corpus of work in an in the ai model without crediting them and without their consent um you can't make a movie without like you said they can't they have to have a writer's room so you can't make it all with ai you can use ai if you want you just have to get everyone's permission yep before you do so it. writers can use ai which is which is good because i think um um, everybody's afraid of it. Yeah, yeah, right now. Um, ChatGPT and all that shit is spooky, how good it is. But, you know, there were similar concerns when Photoshop was coming around. They were thinking photographers and artists were going to lose their job uh, because Photoshop and anybody who, with knowledge of Photoshop can do just as good of a job. But that wasn't true. Um, just, it became part of the their tool yeah, set. exactly. And I think ChatGPT or AI is going to be like that for the writer's room, that they are going to use ChatGPT as a way, as a part of their toolbox to come up with ideas, to come up with stories, and to enhance on them. Because mm-hmm. society and technology is moving forward at a rapid rate. I don't think, the, I don't think it's smart or prudent to reject the innovations and to try to stop it because you can't really stop you know can't stop a tsunami right right you yep. can't stop something that's naturally gonna can't stop occur. the beat um won't stop but you can try to harness it and you try to protect yourselves from it and i think that's what we're doing right now mm-hmm. um to where we're just gonna use ai to better enhance our situations our learning our products um, and that's what every industry is kind of shifting towards. Even education. My first yeah. assignment for my class was to use ChatGPT and talk about what it came up with and discuss that and like piece through it and kind of extrapolate and analyze what it came up with. Because like anybody can search a Google thing, search on Google and find an answer. Like that is right. what people have been doing for a while. Um, ChatGPT just makes that easier <laughs> to come up with a, a unique text-based thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now we can use that, utilize that, and analyze it and make us better for it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Do you yield the rest of your time, yes, Senator? Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was like a classic like primary debate answer. I love it. Um, but more, I guess related to that's that's all great stuff related to video games also writer strike is over but the sag after strike is still going on and remember it is extended to video game uh acting so we will be it it we will it will affect the game's market yeah um and it'll maybe it'll do something maybe it has something to do with this headline uh, Epic Games lays off 800 employees. Hmm. Um, they are ru- laying off roughly 16% of their workforce. Wow. Uh, in a statement, uh, in a statement posted by Tim Sweeney, he explains it was a cost-cutting measure. So they're di- uh, that will also include divesting Bandcamp, spinning uh, off Super Awesome into its own company, and. Okay, so that's what it is. So the people who were working at Epic under Bandcamp and for Super Awesome 
they are leaving mm. or they're going to be their own thing. Interesting. Okay, so it's not it's not it doesn't look like it's laying off. I don't know. Or is it it's it's related. Okay. Let me let me actually read the thing. Jesus. Sure. Pete. Um Super Epic had acquired Super Awesome 2020. 250 people will be leaving Epic as a result of these divestitures. Okay. So it's they're lay it's layoffs and divesting and spinning off. Couple of Um I'll give it the fucking I'll well, give this the Frank Kelly and John I, I, I would have thought Epic Games doing rather well for themselves, but they a lot of very big companies do a lot of work to make it look like yeah. they're doing great. Um I'll do the, the John Madden. For a while now, we've been spending way more money than we earn, investing in the next evolution of Epic and growing Fortnite as a metaverse-inspired ecosystem for creators. Well, if you make, if you spend more money than you make, you're going to lose money, and uh, and that's how you go out of business, and that's that's how you lose in the game. Um, no, um, so explains that despite taking steps to reduce costs, such as scaling back on marketing and events, uh, they did not achieve financial stability. Uh, layoffs were the only solution. Um, two thirds of the team, he states that two thirds of the terminations come from team outside of core development, and these departures will not come at the expense of game development. I'm pro- sure um, they will still be hiring for critical roles. Uh, development of content for titles such as Fortnite, Fall Guys, and Rocket League will continue as planned. Uh, Impact employees will receive six months severage of base pay and six months of health care for U.S., Canada, and Brazil. Cool. Um, they can excel. They can accelerate stop, stock options vesting schedules to the end of 2024, and have two more years from today to use those options. Very nice. Very nice. Big company meetings scheduled next month to discuss the company's efforts and priorities. Uh, the again, these layoffs come just a few weeks after uh, Epic's CCO and Fortnite Donald Mustard announced his retirement. Was he found in the library with a candlestick? Yeah, <laughs> fucking for real. Oh, Don Mustard. He's retiring oh, from Epic. I'm Don Mustard. President <laughs> CEO. As a result of as a result of the loss of Don Mustard, we will now have to lay off eight hundred employees. <laughs> he was holding oh, this place joy. together. Um so one of the other uh, I don't know if you have any more things to say about that. No, that's okay. that was my big one. So I know Kurt probably wanted to be here to talk about this, but I'll take him take his honor. You just take him to I'll town. Take him Shit. downtown. Um because he, he sent us this article actually uh, last night or something. Knights of the Old Republic mm-hmm. remake is either dead or about to become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Oh, that's a little bit different. Uh, so one thing uh, I think the article he sent us last night was about was it Sony? Um, uh, yes. Sony removing like a lot of their stuff and like uh, information mm-hmm. online about about the remake. Um, possibly in yes, a in a the couture yeah in, in a in an attempt to kill the story uh, <laughs> or to kill like uh, vibes and hype around it. Update: right. It turns out that yet again the trailer takedown was not about the game but about its licensing rights. A Sony rep told Kotaku that as part of the normal business, we delist assets 
with licensed music when the licenses expire. The only music in the trailer is a clip of the Star Wars theme, which is owned by Disney, and it seems odd to me that a teaser for a licensed Star Wars game would be pulled because it has licensed Star Wars music, but I am not a businessman, Sorry. and so my understanding of how these things work um, is right. flawed or incomplete. Who in fucking accounting didn't pay their, their fucking Disney bill yeah, this right? month? In any event, doesn't necessarily confirm that KOTOR Remake isn't in trouble, but at the very least, uh, this particular incident doesn't mean that it is. It's just business. Um, so, yeah, the original story was uh, friends are beginning to worry that we might never see the KOTOR remake at all. Um, uh, it may have made a splash right. announcement of the 2021 PlayStation Showcase, but it's been hanging um, on by a thread ever since the Vertical Slice mm-hmm. demo. Uh, it was delayed indefinitely, so, and development was moved to an unspecified internal studio at Embracer Group, possibly Aspire parent company Saber Interactive, for Bloomberg report. Yeah, so I I guess the summary is you can imagine that them pulling all their Star Wars stuff for KOTOR without giving an explanation uh, would be very disheartening to KOTOR fans. Yeah. Be like, oh, they're just cutting it again for what reason? This still doesn't inspire confidence. No, that it's like that they're not like it doesn't sound like they're actively working on it. If they're worrying about like licensing lapsing, yeah. Like if this was a big project of theirs, uh, they would be. I feel like they would be on top of that shit. Yeah, yeah but um, hopefully it's just a mistake. Um... And we'll have like a new trailer up or something like that with, with more stuff to. to yeah, I think that'd probably. be that'd be the best thing they can do right now. Is now that they've removed the trailer, put up a new one with different music or relicense the music, and then put a little bit more information mm-hmm. in there to inspire some more hope. Just to say, hey, we're still working on this. Uh, maybe we'll yeah. get another another one of the next PlayStation showcase because we haven't heard about anything this. And, well, the last time we heard about it was the 2021 PlayStation Showcase or 2022 or something like yeah. that. So maybe there was maybe there was just a big lap in um, lapse in uh, like announcement about this that's causing concern. Yeah. I don't know what Sony's been working on. In the meantime, I guess it was I guess they were concerned with like Fallen Jedi first. Could be, yeah. And that that did hit the hit the ground with a couple hiccups. So maybe they were trying to trying to resolve that but that probably mm-hmm. sold well too so it's like hey people are still wanting to buy your star wars games so yeah don't stop <laughs> keep don't worry they'll buy star wars forever just just put it yeah. out um just like uh how cyberpunk is uh, just coming out with more more and more stuff i have not bought mm-hmm. this yet um but the cyberpunk phantom liberty yeah um yeah a lot of least. it's funny you say that um because i've been I have so I've been watching the the reaction to Starfield, kind of as a perif- in the peripheral. I haven't played it. I don't know what goes on in it. I really don't even know anything aside from that you can pilot a ship and that you can get like space magic. Yeah. Um, but I've heard so a lot of the negative com- uh, complaints at this point in time are that um, people are like man, I went back to Cyberpunk. And it was like a breath of fresh air. I didn't even realize what I was missing out on. Um, so I listened to a streamer who mostly does politics, but he also games. I'm actually wearing his merch right now. Hassan! Hey. Um, oh, Hassan, okay. Yeah, not Bernie. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Hassan. Um, 
uh, Hassan Piker and the Hassan Abi uh, broadcast was playing Starfield. Not it wasn't playing it too much on stream because uh, it's a hard game to stream because it's kind of boring. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's what I've, I've also heard, heard. I've heard people say they absolutely fucking love it, and then there were some people who were just like, "Yeah, it's, but it's boring." It's a really fun game, but it's boring. Um, so he played it um, and was like really into it for a while. And then he got to the, there's a world that a lot of the worlds are themed. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the planets is cyberpunk themed. And he went to that planet <laughs> and it just made him want to go play cyberpunk. <laughs> and then he put it down and picked up cyberpunk again for the uh, the Phantom Liberty uh, expansion. DLC, that was, yeah. That was coming out. And uh, and got ready for that, and then started playing that more, which is which is really interesting. Um, yeah, and I think that's gonna you're gonna see a lot of that response from people who are on the fence about this game. Yeah, I mean, so CD Projekt Red, good timing. From what I heard, it's a good game, but it's like any other Bethesda game. It's like Skyrim. Yeah. It's uh, there's just a lot of space to do stuff but there's not a lot of stuff in that space to do. Um, but it's entertaining some people, I guess. Uh, it's just It just seems like it's um, a watered-down version of so many different games. No Man's Sky, uh, Dangerous Elite, um, mm-hmm. uh, Skyrim, cyberpunk. cyberpunk. It's like all of these games that did their own niche thing very well put into a watered down version of it that doesn't really dive deep like everybody says like yeah even people who like the game the story sucks <laughs> like it's not a really yeah. good story but what i oh, the, actually what i want to see is a comparison between this and outer worlds yeah like a head-to-head because i heard you know this is the same kind of vibe where it's a it's a space sure. a space setting with a with this kind of rpg setup yeah so I, I don't know. No one's been comparing those two uh, in recent history. But gaming nerds have been eating good so far. Uh, we got the Cyberpunk um, expansion. We've got Starfield. We've got Baldur's Gate, Armored Core 6. Mm-hmm. We've got Counter-Strike 2. Like, there's a lot of good games on the market right now. So if you're not going out watching movies, you better be in your house playing a video game. Okay? <laughs> you better be gaming, dog. Be gaming, yeah. okay? Or... You could just be flying around on your broom. Some people like to do that. <laughs> you could be flying through France, Germany. Yes, Japan, Germany. Fjordgoldergenstein. You know? You know what? Yeah, like in Kiki's Delivery Service. You know what the... Okay, before, any, before we talk about any of this, um, I'm pissed at the window situation. This is, this is my absolute nitpick. So... In in the town, in the movie, they open up their windows like like this. Yeah. They open like this. Now, there's not one fucking window in Europe at <laughs> that opens like that. I don't know how long it's been the case. <laughs> but they all open like this. All the European ones? Some of them some of them have the double hinge set up, but they all <laughs> That's what that's the one thing I've heard about Europe is that all their windows they pop open from yeah. the bottom. Huh. Interesting. So I saw them like, "You're fake. You're a fraudster, Miyazaki." He's he's going based off he's going based off vibes, and the vibe of Europe yes. was 
double shuttered, open up like this. <gasps> the classic pose. That's the, the fucking princess. The, the birds alight on your on your hands. Yeah. Just trying to harness that that inner Disney that Miyazaki has. Yeah. His little Disney. A little Disney. Yeah. Um, and this is this is a little Disney. Um. No, this is... Well, actually, um, originally panned... I'm looking up uh, trivia already. I'm just yes, diving please. into it. Originally panned by fans for the original Japanese version, Disney later re-released a second version of their English oh, the... dub, unlike the original 1998 dubbing. This 2010 revision has gone back and removed several ad-libbed lines from American sound effects and added soundtracks and several comedic lines added by Phil Hartman. Oh, interesting. I um, I don't know which one I watched in that case, but I do remember that I do. Re- that is one thing of my my watch was that the English voice acting was not great. Yeah, it was not great in this. Um, everyone has that that early like they didn't figure out how to do voice acting yet, or like this was this was a weird. You know, this is like when this and Spirited Away came out, and they're like, this is most of white america's introduction to like anime they're like oh it's this it's japanese cartoons um and i feel like that that reflects in the voice acting where it's like their first time ever having to voice act something like this and it's all very stilted um there's not a lot of variety in the delivery um there's not a lot it's the characterization like the lines i guess are nice but Man, between the between the script and the um, the actual like voice performances, it's it's pretty it's pretty early anime tier. I'll just say that. Um, so yes, I, I guess that kind of gives the game away that I thought this movie um, is more mid than I originally. I, I already knew it was mid. Like this was not my favorite even even in the olden days. Um, but this one, since since viewing it, I I have come down on it even further. I don't know what. Did you, how did you feel about it, Jake? Um, Give me your opinion. So, I thought, like everybody else in the world, this movie, as well as all Studio Ghibli, Miyazaki movies, are very aesthetic. They're yes. very very I... entertaining to watch. In terms of, I am attracted to the colors and the detail and the background, the um, effects. One of the things that uh, anime can do very well, or very bad, is like food and making the food. Yep. If the food doesn't look absolutely bussing, um, might not be a great Your movie. Your anime ain't making yeah. any mussing. So, and Miyazaki does a great job with making the food look pretty good he's not like um there have been recent animes where the it's all about food and the food looks oh my god mm. where yeah. do i get that like um but like was it like cooking wars or something yeah, like that some of that yeah where it's like they, they do the but that's like more on the focus of all, also like the chopping and like the preparation of the food where this is like uh, there's a little bit of that but it's more the baking process and the food just does look good um and that's a big part of like um, like culture as well, uh, just mm-hmm. in general. Like at any place, has really focuses on the food, and if you can get that detail right, um, 
it really brings the movie to life. So I think this this does a good job at that. Um, this does a good job at just general background and um, having unique characters. Um, each character yeah. had a unique point, um, and I thought I saw I saw this as a uh, I saw the G rating and I was like, oh, it's a it's a, it's a kids movie because I didn't really know like who this was for. So I'm like, oh, maybe this is made for kids. Um, is it going to be kind of like bland? Um, mm-hmm. And like have this simple, you know, whimsical girl goes off on her own. But it's a little bit more than that. Um, and I think this is where like the Japanese culture comes into play. Because they do have a big prominence on like adolescent independence. And kind of yes, this, going it's out the same vibe as Pokemon. Hey, you're ten years old. Exactly. Time to go leave home. So Kiki is thirteen years old, and she's sent out, and she has this. There's this custom in her house, where when you're thirteen, you go out, you go out for a year and train as a witch. Uh, you go find a town mm-hmm. and like reside there. And I'm thinking, where's she getting the money for rent? Isn't she concerned yeah. about being attacked? But she was very independent. She was like. I mean, she has a fly, so she shouldn't really be afraid she of has, too much. She has strong farm girl energy. Yeah, yeah. Right, where she's just very practically minded, but just not up on on social yeah, like, <laughs> social manners and stuff. Sur- like, borderline survival skills, very good. Like, can make a fire, can get around, can navigate um, very well. But when it comes mm-hmm. to interacting with people it's very she gets very flustered um she gets very self-conscious and i think the thing that took me by surprise with this was this movie was really about um like there's a big uh even though they don't mention anxiety there's this obvious air of anxiety and being aware of that and your first interactions with anxiety self-consciousness um and and what that big teenage feelings yes yeah exactly um, and that was very prominent in this movie, and I did not think that this was going to be like that, but it gave you really good ways to overcome that, how it can affect you, even though it's it's portraying it in a, a fantasy environment where this witch um, gets, uh, which is good, good witch, um, loses her mm-hmm. powers and is losing herself because she's being self-conscious and doubting herself. Yeah, she's a she's in her own head, and I'm like, yeah. God, just get out, of, just get out of your head. Yeah, and, and and it was then they they started nailing it on the head later on. Uh, it came on kind of like mm-hmm. they were like, oh no, what's happening? Oh, something something's off with her. Um, but then they started nailing it on the head she when they're did. like, oh, a, a witch can fly because of her spirit, and I'm like, oh, her spirit's mm-hmm. like broken because she's self conscious about looking pretty. Yeah. She wants to look pretty. She's looking at all the other she's... normal girls, and they they look pretty. And then she, she's trying to divide her life between her special skills and catching the boys. You know, it's a, it's a real classic Spider-Man Two kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> what came out first? This, this copy off of Spider-Man Two. Sp- Spider-Man Two, indirectly inspired by <laughs> Kiki's delivery service. Yeah, how funny! That's awesome. That's that's exactly what I think uh, Stanley had in mind. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there was a. There was a lot that this movie has to offer yeah. in terms of like a good lesson, and portraying it in a, um, a realistic environment, uh, especially mm-hmm. for a movie that's 
one anime into in a fantasy world um, mm-hmm. i yeah. and i think this is a case of you had to be there because the context in which this movie came out i think helped a lot like so this came out during the, the ghibli fucking push right that late 90s early 2000s span of about a decade <laughs> uh which in which they put out just a huge number of really good works and if you were like and this is really about like you know that kind of teenage kind of vibe you know becoming a teenager and growing into young adulthood um and so if you're a teenager during that time as we were or young we were youngsters that's those are some things that can really resonate um so I think the intersection of those two things um, is why I remember it more fondly than I than I came back to it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you did this, and you got spirited away, and you had you know Princess of Laputa. You didn't watch Grave of the Fireflies. Uh-huh. That one was not for teens. <laughs> don't I know I joked about it, Jake, but don't you gotta know what you get into with that one. That one's that one's pretty rough. Which, which one is that one? Grave of the Fireflies. Um, So, whereas, you know, Kiki's Delivery Service is about a cute young witch trying to, you know, she's making a little delivery and she's, like, helping out at the bakery and my neighbor Totoro is about the funny little cats who turn into a bus and it's all fuzzy and they go in the tree and stuff. Grave of the Fireflies is about war orphans in World War II. And, like, like starving. That's more like it. (laughs) Yeah. Um... (laughs) That's what I want. And it's my... and it sucks. It sucks so much. So in a good way. Yeah. So there, there's um. So there's a couple things. I that now that we're I'm done glazing the movie. There's a couple things that I had an issue with, with this movie because um, mm-hmm. it's definitely not without its faults. Um, but no, you know, no movie is. But um, and I don't know if maybe this is just the Miyazaki style, but. I do enjoy a movie where they don't take the time to over-explain and give a bunch of exposition. You know, the beginning right. of this movie, it just starts off with, like, I'm a witch. I have a daughter that's also a witch. She's not as witchy as me. Um, I never had time for her. Yeah. And, Cats in the cradle with the silver spoon. And she's going to uh, leave tonight. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> it's full moon. Right. Weather's good. Time to leave. I'm 13. I gotta go. Uh, here's your here's your initial home setting. We're gone in ten minutes. You're yeah. never gonna see it again for the rest of the movie. Never gonna see it. Um, there was talk about writing. There was talk about uh, getting a training. There was talk about your special talent. Um, mm-hmm. But the only witchy thing she does is fly. Uh, right. So I'm thinking. I'm like, she's not that magical. What is her special talent? Is her special talent just helping people? If so, it's okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of just abruptly ends at the end. She yes. has the climax of spoiler territory. She's so saved. she has a climax of the the blimp uh, crashing with her friend on it, and she's well, she has the teenage uh, hot and cold romance with the boy. Yes. And she's with, being a total fucking cinderier. With but her. Cinderier. The, the romance was hardly even that. I don't even know... Because, yes, it was a romance, but, like, at first, it didn't even, like, feel like it should have been. 
because uh, mm-hmm. it was just she was so like against it. Uh, but then I yeah. guess the guy was just super into her or super. I think he was fascinated with the fact that she could fly, and he had the obsession yeah. with like flying his bike. Um, but then uh, you know, there's that that increases. They're they're interested more. Um, I guess there was just a lot of like plot threads that that came up and then just kind of felt left unattended to. Yes, I was gonna say that the thing that got me on watching this was the pacing, um, and kind of the the structure where um, they just sort of they just kind of roll from one scene to the next, yeah. like not even like a line, not even like a transitional line of dialogue. They'll just be like, "Oh, hey, I'm gonna go now. Watch me." Let's go, like, at the end when she loses her powers or whatever, and she's talking to her artist friend. Yeah. And her artist is like, yeah, we sh- you should, like, take a rest, and you should go and, like, uh, you know, help me paint some time. How about right now? Let's go right now. And what? they immediately just jet the fuck off to the forest for the next scene. You know what's kind of funny is it's kind of like a training, like, arc <laughs> of, like, an anime. Yeah. And, and she just abruptly leaves uh, to go train in the woods with an artist to hone her skills. Um, that's what it kind of felt like, where she's left all that shit behind, regain her powers, and come back as strong as ever. Um, not really strong yeah, as ever. That's, that, that like, literally is it. She broke her broom. She never really repaired her broom. And she never had time to. They never like finished that thread. I mean, I guess they def- didn't necessarily need to show it, but... Um, mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking about like it doesn't, broom physics. The, the parts I'm like stick together. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, broom physics. I'm like, well, can it be any broom? Can it be a mop? Uh, do brooms what, have What about a broom? Yeah. Do the bigger um, bristles mean that it's a, a better flying broom? Because the broom she was on was really unstable. Yeah. Stupid little push broom. It's not in the Snow Nimbus 2000. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's... this is And this is definitely one of those movies where the more you ask questions, the more it really falls apart. Um case in point i do work in logistics and so when she says i'm going to set up a shipping company i'm like oh man you're getting to a fucking i hope you're charging an arm and a leg for bespoke air intracity travel for <laughs> within 15 like 15 minute freight anywhere in the city it's on a fucking of, dime it's kind of intense um what a what a nice business I model hope- and my my business brain was just like, oh, God, freight terms, signing for pay. Fuck, fuck. What's funny is that, like, you know, it. <laughs> I think I feel like it's telling, like, Japanese kids, like, hey, like, don't dream that big. <laughs> yeah. Go into business. <laughs> Sometimes you're not. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. You want to be a superhero or an astronaut, but have you considered CEO of UPS? Have you ever been a? Have you considered being a truck driver? Have you heard of? Have you heard of FedEx? <laughs> Man, you want? Yo, wait, no, they don't. They don't have Japan. They don't have FedEx in Japan. <laughs> Courier no, they, service. You know what they do have? They have fucking DHL, and I know DHL. that because I have a. I currently have a bottle of Centauri melon syrup sitting in my fucking fridge because you can't buy. Melon syrup that isn't fucking Midori anywhere in the states, and I wanted to I wanted to make myself a melon cream soda because I had a fucking wee breakdown. And I'm like, <laughs> I need my Japanese melon cream soda drink. <laughs> and tell you what, it was fucking delicious. America, bring melon syrup to the United States, please. 
side side note. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, the 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 plot kind of meanders. It's just like things just just happen, which for a slice of life isn't the worst take, but like, and I don't know, it still could have benefited from either either leaning into that where it's just sort of this this flow state um, where things which. Um, is done a lot better IMO in the night is young walk on girl. That's, that's one that takes that kind of like episodic sort of things just happen and it ties them all together in, in the context and framing device of a one night, like all night drinking binge and party on the town. Great. Or you build some real strong transitions and you put it all together like that. Um, But this, this kind of just, we're just vibing we're just going um the art style for sure um it holds up it's different it is different from nine other 90s animation um i've been complaining to kurt for the last couple weeks about how what made the 90s really stick out and timeless is their use of beige is an important part of the 90s aesthetic Mm -hmm. and the 90s zeitgeist is the cultures the color beige the culture surrounding beige the the spiritual implications of beige um it was it was a not often discussed but still very important part but this is different from that um you know the color choice here um i i love it i i do really enjoy the color choice did you notice now i'm just now i'm just throwing stuff out um did you notice in the beginning scene they had those clouds in that opening shot moving like zooming by on their own individual animation planes and you know really well animated they're sliding by and then never again for the rest of the movie do we see cloud movement or at least not emphasized oh that was good Um, so um side note not related to that um here's where like um maybe the movie could have done a little bit more um explainers Mm -hmm. so there's a spoiler section in the imdb page uh, talking about Gigi the cat so the cat is really interesting and um the cat can talk to kiki kiki and Gigi Mm -hmm. have a really interesting relationship they have a cool relationship I like it. I like He's that. Salem from it. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, it's perfect. I was saying it's like the Japanese Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, so this is not mentioned, and I don't know why it's not mentioned. It's apparently it's mentioned in the book, um, but towards the end of the movie, you know, we she gets her powers back, right? But Gigi doesn't talk. Gigi still meows. Mm. Uh, I, I thought that was weird. I, I did take note of that. I was like. Yes, I thought I like, thought it would have been a, a better indicator of like she got her powers back that she can talk to Gigi. Right, um, maybe Gigi just moved on with his life. Well, did did you already know that? No, I oh. just assumed that because like that was his arc was like he found a hot chick. Yeah, yeah, and fucked her. <laughs> that was that was his entire arc, and he said he basically said, "Ah, fuck you, I'm out. I'm I have a life, my own life now. I'll hang around, but I have a family to take so, care of." So this this IMDb snippet thing says um, towards the end of the film, Gigi doesn't speak in human words to Kiki anymore because they grew up, and I'm I think they mean they by plural. Both Kiki and Gigi grew up, like they're not kids mm-hmm. anymore. Um, not because she lost her power. Um, so I'm wondering if that also like uh, broke her spirit when she realized that Gigi wasn't speaking to her anymore. Um, she didn't realize that she was growing up and that Gigi was growing up. 
Uh, in the original book, it's explained that a witch girl and a black cat are raised together from infancy, and that's why they can talk to each other. Uh, Kiki's mom never talks with Gigi directly. They can talk to each other because they're a close relationship rather than magic itself. A cat being able to live so long could be magic, though. Um, so Miyazaki made Gigi unable to talk to Kiki even after she regained her power to show that Kiki has grown and doesn't need her other self anymore. Man, that's a that's like altogether that is such an arc. Like, yeah. I lost my powers because life became fucking tough. I had to grow up. Yeah, she grew up. She she had that really intense scene with the artist about mm-hmm. you know sometimes I I'm not able Which, I have I have art block I'm not writer's block but like yep. art block I can't paint anymore. I had to find myself in order to regain my ability to paint what I thought was good. Um, that I liked, I could see myself in my my art, mm-hmm. um, and the same thing was for, and the same thing can be applied to anything. That's why I think they chose yeah. which, which to... yeah, um, yeah. And side note about that scene, just uh, just about that whole arc, um, they talk about this painting, and she shows that painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is what I was working on, um, and it's really it's kind of funny because that was an actual painting created by like a middle school for the handicapped in japan i think they probably like won a contest or something yeah they, and the, their art the spoiler the tri- trivia says um the ship flying over the rainbow is the title of the painting and it's painted by the students of a school for challenged children which makes it fucking funnier and is a classic miyazaki move when he has the artist lady go yeah but the face kind of looks sh- shitty i gotta work on that <laughs> just a classic fucking uh, like yes you fucking would do that Hayo I disowned my son Miyazaki <laughs> um, just a just a quick thing I'm probably I mean definitely not intentional but that's just how yeah. I read it and it's funny um, I like the climax it's a good way to put action into a otherwise uh, not action based movie yeah. it puts a little excitement in there yeah no there's no villain really there's no there's just um the it's a, a PVE kind of situation. It's player versus yeah. environment. Well, um, it's it's. I mean, that last scene is hinges on her. If you want to talk about thematically, it's her reaching out to Tombo mm-hmm. and forming that connection. The power of friendship saves the day. Yeah, that's how she gets her powers back. That's how Stella gets her groove back. Um, and they they hang and they get saved, and that's the movie. Yeah, and then it just ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of does abruptly end, but it's a. Uh, I think it's a good. Um, it's a good ending to it. Um, mm-hmm. There might be a couple things that you could probably add on there. Maybe there's ten minutes, fifteen minutes of this movie that uh, could have been added into it for context or resolution. Although, um, although you have the wiki article up, right? Uh, I think it said somewhere that it was one of the most, the highest production budget. Uh, animated movies at the time it was like six million production oh, really? budget which today's numbers that's diddly squat i'm just looking in trivia i didn't see i think i have um so the, also the t- we're talking about like the where it's located um the story takes place in alternative uh 1950s europe where world war one and world war two never happened fictional city of kokoro on the Which side mean, of the shore. It's my heart in Japanese. It means heart. Oh. Or no, Mikokoro. 
Kokoro. Uh, oh, Kokoro. Yeah, that's hard. It says it's on the shores of the Mediterranean and the on the other and the other on the Baltic Sea. Because yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, I saw a lot of German stuff, and then I saw like Japanese lettering. I'm like, where is this? <laughs> It's everywhere. And why are there why are there people in eighties clothes with sixties buses and eighteen fifties buildings? <laughs> Just mash it all together. Well looks good, looks good. Um, yeah. So it's a it's a fine little story, a little meandering. Um, and I don't think it comes off as well today unless you're wa- I guess if you're watching all of that stuff at the same time, which is what they did this summer. They had the summer of Ghibli. Um, where every week you watched a new Studio Ghibli movie, like I think in that in that um, what you call it uh, in that context, that really makes sense. Yeah, I love. I'm looking at some of the awards this thing has won. Um, at 12th Anime Grand Prix, Minichi Jun, you know, Golden Cross Award movies days. These are a bunch of Japanese awards, and the the last one. Uh, with Hayao Miyazaki winning Best Director at the 7th Annual Money-Making Directors Awards. <laughs> I guess that would be... Like, that's I, that's just a bad translation. I, I feel like that's Probably. the Professional versus Amateur Directors Awards, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, nevertheless, yeah. That's So that's how I would see it. I would watch this in a in a binge. Like, you watch it with, if you're going through all the Ghibli movies, you watch this one, too. On its own, um, with a young kid, I guess. I guess it could work. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I wouldn't necessarily come back to this. It's a one-and-done watch, yeah. Unless you have a kid who wants to check out some anime, yeah. Or if you have a sister who wants to watch it endlessly <laughs> on repeat, because uh, it, like, spoke to her. Yeah. But that's, uh... That was, uh, but if you're keys. not, then that's it. That was Key's yeah. delivery service. Delivered to you via podcast. All right. It flies over the airwaves, just as we're about to send this flying over the airwaves. Uh, because that's it for this uh, episode of the podcast, episode 386. Um, you can find us wherever podcasts are sold for free. Uh, wherever. In the, in the bootleg bottle of gin that that smuggler sent you, you can find us there. Um, in several cursed lamps, uh, you can find us there too. Find us and on of the course, find us on the bottom of a a tequila bottle with a worm in it. You know. Yes, absolutely. Find us in Oktoberfest because that's about where I'm headed next after oh, this one. Shit, boy. Um, we'll see. But otherwise, um, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye bye. <laughs>